0: Hello, I'm Billy Buttery, and this is Food is Culture, a podcast. Portugal has been on my travel list forever. I knew I would love it after starting to frequent churrascatos in high school with my Portuguese friends. I used to be able to count to 10 and say the days of the week in Portuguese. Nowadays, I seem to only remember Vino Verde, which I still haven't tried, but I'm eagerly on the lookout for a bottle. Today's guest Anna Bento is a writer, a creative director, just launched a new lifestyle brand and is such a lovely woman. I've had the pleasure of knowing her for some years and I'm always in awe of her authenticity and her passion for life well lived. Born in Portugal she moved to Toronto very young. She is a true city girl with a European coolness that comes across in everything she does. What I love about this interview is Anna can't help but turn the mic back to me. The writer in her relates to the forever student in me and us both just want to know everything about everything. It's a trait her and I are happy to chalk up to being Gemini's, but I will suggest it's our love of all cultures. Country's cultures, the culture of family dynamics, the culture of cooking, the culture of late night food. I mean, you're here too listening to the show. I personally think being inquisitive keeps you living in the present. I hope you'll enjoy this episode and I'm looking forward to the trip we're all going to plan once this travel allows it. Meet you for late night sausage on a bun. Anna, thank you so much for joining me today. Tonight, I should say. On this no gorgeous... problem. Thank you for having me. Oh, this gorgeous <laughs> fall night. So what is in your cup? Are you having a glass of whiskey?
1: I'm having a glass of cognac, actually. Mm. I was going to go for the whiskey and then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so I grabbed a little bit of cognac. So what are you having?
0: <laughs> I'm having a glass of whiskey. It's this mm-hmm. new um, sort of, I think it's like botanical Canadian whiskey. It's quite lovely. So cheers Ooh. to you. Cheers. Cheers. Um, is there a special way to say cheers in Portuguese? Cheers in Portuguese is, um, it's pretty simple. It's like we say chin, chin. chin, chin I love that. Perfect. Or,
1: or we say so, or salute, right? Salute. Similar to, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, which is like health too.
0: I love that. Okay. So well, I've already <laughs> said Portuguese, but do you want to explain your cultural background, um, and how you sort of categorize it?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I'm Portuguese. I was born in Portugal, um, and my parents immigrated here when I was about two. So, you know, I mean, I was pretty much born and not born here, but I was raised here for majority of my life. But because I was born in Portugal and majority of my family being back in Portugal, I'm still very connected to to my roots. I mean, in, in Toronto, it's easy to, to stay like close and connected to your roots. Um, but especially like I had that advantage with, you know, going back to visit my grandparents all the time, like every two years or every year at one point. And, you know, kind of keeping, um, I don't know, the traditions in my cuisine and in everything else, really.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, Where Mm -hmm. in Portugal are you from? I'm from the mainland. I'm
1: from about 45 minutes north of Lisbon, a place called Caldas de Reina. I was born there. It's close to the coast um, on the west side of Portugal, so our west coast. So the, the town, College de is the main city. That's where I was born. But we're actually from like a smaller town just outside of there, like about 15, 20 minutes from there. Lovely. <laughs> and do you still have a house there? We do, yes. So my parents actually moved back two years ago. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So they're back there. So they have a house and they have a country home as well, That's which they go lovely. back and forth from, although they're kind of spending more time in the country now than than they are in in our hometown. That
0: sounds so lovely. Imagine (laughs) it.
1: It's really nice, actually. You know, I was like, "What are you doing?" Like my dad's crazy ideas. I'm like, "What are you guys doing out here?" Mm. Um, It's literally it's farmland. It's horizon as far as the eye can see. Like you know, a couple rolling hills here and there, but it's literally God's country. There's nothing there.
0: (laughs) But it kind of adds. (laughs)
1: It's gorgeous. I'm not gonna lie. Like I would probably (laughs) go nuts if I had to live there. But it's it's amazing. Like I do like going there, and just nature there is incredible. And I sit outside, and you know what? Like my parents going there actually has like a, a food story in itself, which I can share with you a little bit later as we talk about things.
0: So. Yeah, for sure. Um, what was your first? Well, speaking of you know your childhood, what was your first sort of um, memory of food?
1: Ooh, oh, that's a good question. My first memory of food, I mean. As a kid, uh, oh, I don't know, actually. I was going to say my my grandparents actually killing our food. That's fantastic. I mean,
0: that's where food comes
1: from, right? Right. Everything was was on the farm. So my grandmother, um, she ran a, a dairy farm. She was like her own boss. Like, yeah, like super strong woman, like did her own thing, independent businesswoman, you know, awesome. and she had her kids to raise and everything. Still within the traditional, you know, standards and norms of what a woman a woman should do. But she did run her own farm. Uh, my, grandpa, my grandfather didn't really have much of a, a hand in it. It was all her. Um, and she actually supplied dairy, like milk for, for like the whole town. She used to even make cheeses when, uh, oh when I was little and when my mom was growing up. More so when my mom and her siblings were growing up. Um, and I still remember it myself too. Like my favorite thing about going back to Portugal in the summertime when I was, I'd say like four or five, like those are my earliest memories, like related to food, I guess, um, was actually like, you know, roaming around and going with her to like to see the animals or like, you know, to, to see the cows and when she'd have to kill a pig, like that's a big thing back in like small towns in Europe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially in Portugal. You know, so I used to actually, I watch. like I was very connected to and I understood exactly what was going on, right? Like mm-hmm. I knew the difference between, you know, some of them as pets and some of them as food. Even though later on I did have like a, a bit of a traumatic story, so you know,
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> you know amazing. that
1: that line gets a little blurred between pet and food. So uh. <laughs> yeah, of course. So yeah, of course. that would be my my earliest food memory was the fact that my grandpa, my grandmother, sorry, actually, um, she made cheese. She she milked cows. She supplied the town with
0: milk, um, chickens, eggs. You know, fresh all the time. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! So amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. So going home um, to Portugal, Mm -hmm. so I guess your grandmother was sort of the cook. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. My grandmother and my mom too, but more so my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming in Toronto, your mom was
1: the cook. Oh, in Toronto, definitely. She was the cook all the time. (laughs) (laughs) There'd be like a rare occasion where my father would cook, but not so much. He actually started cooking more in his his uh, older age. (laughs) Nowadays, he
0: likes Is it? Is that a trend? Does that happen? You know what? Since I've been talking to people, (laughs) I do find that men, as they get a little bit older, have started, you know, getting into the kitchen. Um, You know, I I see it too with my... with my family, you know, I think as men, they go, they grow up and they grow up (laughs) as they grow older. Um, they get a little bit more maybe particular and they enjoy the intricacies of, of cooking. Right. But do you think that it can also be,
1: um, so it's definitely that, but do you think it's kind of the way like culture and society shifting too? like, you know, people are a little bit more men get in the kitchen too now, you know, and maybe they're adapting to it and they're like, huh, I can cook too. It's yeah. not a big deal. My wife doesn't have to cook all the time or, you know, for sure. I mean, that. I hope so. <laughs> but I love that your grandma was too. like the <laughs> boss babe on the farm. Oh, she was like, my grandfather was busy too. He had his own businesses too, but like, she really just did that all herself. And, you know, and she had uh, four kids. So wow, yeah, she really ran that.
0: She ran that. <laughs> That's amazing. <Yeah. laughs> um, in Portugal, do you guys have like a, a special what would you say is your high holiday like what's your most important holiday in Portugal
1: oh I mean I want to say Easter mm-hmm. even over Christmas No, Christmas is pretty big too but I almost feel like Easter is a little bit bigger it's, it's a little more religious mm-hmm. right so that's kind of I mean of course Christmas too just as religious but I almost want to say Easter is a, a tad bit more traditional
0: I have, you I been, say. have you been in Portugal during Easter before
1: you know what um maybe when I was younger I can't really remember if I was or not I lived there for a year oh, wow. um but I was too young to actually remember that properly but we did live there for a year I don't remember Easter though to be honest I did um I actually did junior kindergarten there so oh, that wow. year I would have definitely spent Easter there but I can't remember it but not there, but here, I, I mean, I celebrate it with Portuguese family. Yeah. So, we mm-hmm. keep those traditions pretty alive here.
0: <laughs> in Toronto, where, which area do you live in in Toronto? Well, what area did you live in growing up? Growing up, I was, I moved a little bit, but for the most part,
1: like same area, between Dufferin and Lawrence along Dufferin. Wait, okay, Dufferin so very Eglinton European. and Lawrence along Dufferin. <laughs> yeah, so very European yeah. area. I was at Dufferin and Lawrence for majority of my life in Toronto until I moved downtown and condos and stuff
0: like yeah. that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you were always around Europeans and then so Easter was a big exactly. deal.
1: Exactly. Yes,
0: yes. Amazing. And is there special foods that you eat around Easter that you would say are like traditional Portuguese dishes that you just eat at Easter? So I don't know, just
1: at Easter, there's a couple like um a couple like pastries that are just at that we eat just at Easter. It's like this Easter cake and it's it's baked with like like a bread almond almost with like um, eggs like baked into it. Okay. And then you go to, yeah. Right. You, I mean, you walk into like a, a Portuguese bakery at some point in your life, right? You must yeah. have. So it's like that, that bread baked in with like the um, all the eggs and it's a little bit sweet. I don't really like it to be honest. It's kind of plain, but that's, that's something traditional that you just make, even if you're not eating it. Um, and then depending on like where you're from, like there are different uh, traditions based on like the region or the towns. I know this one specific, um, there's this one specific cake that I love. We used to have it at Christmas too, but Easter is like when we really had it because it was made with like a lot of eggs, a lot of egg yolk. And it's called, Found the law. So I don't even know how it translates. Bread of that's what I'm not sure. To be honest, I don't know what that I'm gonna Google it right now
0: because I have no idea what that translates to in English. I love Portuguese food. I you know had a couple Mm -hmm. of Portuguese girlfriends growing up and um, and in my Mm -hmm. early twenties. So I mean my favorite late night food when we come home from the club was when my girlfriends was Portuguese and her dad we'd well first he would take us out to the I'm gonna butcher (laughs) but the triscado. How do you say it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we'd have that. Yes, we'd have that for dinner. You know, just spicy um, chicken and Portuguese potatoes and big salads. So then we'd go to the club and then we'd come home and we'd have cold russoyage right out of the container. Oh, my God. How good are those? Aren't those amazing? They're the best. Anyone that hasn't had Mm russoyage, please pause the podcast and go find some. They're so (laughs) delicious. to go find (laughs) my <laughs> my shrimp, oh, shrimp those are the best shrimp, the spicy yeah. shrimp ones are the best i mean the chicken ones are
1: okay <laughs> but this spicy have you ever tried them have you ever tried them with shrimp and cod inside no i didn't even know that was an yeah. option that that's maybe something that might be regional right because like different regions have the different things my mom makes it with shrimp and cod inside. And they're just the most decadent. Like they're so good. (laughs) good. (laughs) They're so good. So that's another thing that we have at Easter. On the Good Friday, we always have pissoy and pistachio buccalao, which are the little cod croquette type things, the little cod um, cakes. Oh, so yummy. you know, They're like cotton potato, they're really good too.
0: Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> you guys obviously on Good Friday keep um, you know, pescatarian, which is very traditional. All fish. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if that this is. was a Portuguese thing, but it's so mm-hmm. trendy now and everyone does it. But um, the first time I ever had a midnight table at a wedding oh, yeah, yeah. was Portuguese wedding. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: That's Portuguese. I'm I'm owning that right now. That is Portuguese. <laughs> yes, I believe um, that. I don't know if any other culture um, does it like that, maybe I didn't know of. Like here in Toronto, I feel like Portuguese started it. Like we've For always sure. had like a midnight table, midnight buffet of like pastry and mainly seafood, mm-hmm. shellfish and seafood. Uh, we'll put like a couple, like, you know, like the chicken, the, the grilled chicken on there too, the shellfish gator chicken, yeah. and then pastries, fruit, and then it's all seafood.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, that's need, definitely like, a thing for it. At a Portuguese wedding, when you're just drinking, you're doing shots with all the bridesmaids, mm-hmm. all the groomsmen, you're dancing the night away, and then all delicious food starts to fill the air, and you're like, mm, okay, I need perfect? to get off the dance floor. I need to start right? picking up some of those booze."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is it terrible that a lot of times I would skip the table because I'd, I'd keep drinking
0: instead? I think that's also a Portuguese thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I'm just at the one white girl, you know, at the way. I'm stuffing that's... my face. Like so you're at that, so that table. <laughs> yes, for oh, sure. me I'm and sure. all the that's older tias.
1: <laughs> right? But you know what? I don't know if everybody does this. Again, it might just be a regional thing, um, or my family thing, but at midnight, or let's say it's like we're having like um you know, Christmas day or it's like, you know, Eastern it's during the day. So it'll be, you know, at six o'clock at night after like the big long lunch mm. or at midnight, if it's like a, a nighttime kind of um holiday that we're celebrating, we will we'll make um, things like crab or shrimp, mm. shrimp all the time in like the beer and oh. uh, and like hot sauce, like spicy sauce. It's just so good. Beer, butter, garlic, um, parsley and like some hot sauce in there, too. And it's just oh amazing my it's just like it's like with the whole, it's the tiger shrimp, the big one, like with the head on it and everything. That's and you awesome. just sit there and you eat mounds of this shrimp and you have beer and everybody's talking mm-hmm. and you're dipping bread into this sauce. It's so good. So that's good. something we kind of do even outside of like weddings. We do like a midnight kind of shrimp
0: fry. (laughs) I love that. That sounds amazing. I mean, and just the whole social aspect of it and the ritual of, you know, cracking open the shrimp and just enjoying it all.
1: Yes. I think that's what it is. Like you're just, everybody's sitting together and you're enjoying the food and you're talking and right. It just gives you something to bond over. That's what I love about it. The most is how you bond over it.
0: Of course. I love that. Okay. Well, speaking mm-hmm. of drinks, so we talked about, you know, the shrimp and the beer, what would you say <laughs> is a very like traditional alcoholic or non-alcoholic um, Portuguese drink?
1: Oh, be-
0: well, we drink a lot of beer. Not that it's traditional it's Portugal, but wine,
1: mm-hmm.
0: wine is very,
1: and outside of, of wine, like, you know, everywhere you go, you have wine. So let's say like a specialty drink is port right? Mm-hmm. We like do the dessert wine. That's a, a specialty drink that you do with dessert or sometimes um, what people will have with like, let's say a coffee um, and a dessert is like our, I guess our version of, of moonshine, which is I it's like, you know, a little shot of that after yeah. desserts and all those things.
0: So yeah. That's amazing. So do, I wonder, does port, I guess port comes from Portugal and that's why it's called port. Port actually, yes. It comes from a place called Porto uh, which
1: is in the north. It's about three hours north of Lisbon, and it's along the the river. Where so we have the the Douro region, where we have like the, a lot of wines. Most of our wineries are there, and then there are some in another area called Alentejo. Those are the two main wine regions. And at the opening of that river, so it comes in from the Atlantic. It's the Douro River. Is the city called Porto mm. across the, across the river from Porto? It's a beautiful city. It's like historic. It's gorgeous. I was there for the first time, actually, like three years ago or two two years ago. And um, right across the river is this region or this area, this you know extension of the city, that is where all the port production happens. <laughs> so there are these like port distilleries that you know they, they have the grapes from the region and whatever, and it's like this fortified
0: wine, this dessert wine, it's very sweet, it's like. Um, I think it's almost like syrup. You've had port, right? Oh, I love port to me. Yeah, I'd yeah, rather yeah. <laughs> have like a delicious glass of port than dessert. Like, if I have the option, you know, really, they have, a huh. they have a wonderful port list. Um, yeah. you'd be like, oh, what kind of you know, slice of pie or cake or something? I'm like, no, give me the port list. I'll have a the del- port, the <laughs> dinner, and then that's wonderful. You and
1: your husband should go to, um, to Portugal for the food experience. You'd love it. Uh, You would love it. And then like the wineries and, and then you have to go to Porto too. You should, I think you'd love it. Um, but yeah, so Port is made there and what's crazy though, is like majority of them were actually owned by, by English, um, people. So Mm. majority of like the, the Port brands that you'll see your names, they're actually English names. They're not even Portuguese, but they are in Portugal, but
0: English owned majority. There are some that are Portuguese, of course. Oh well, I'll have to yeah. point to buy Portuguese-owned port from now on. Then. Yeah, Most <laughs> <one>. <laughs> yeah I, just up, I was just, um, I was just sort of caught wind of a conversation on um, on a mom group, and they were talking about green Portuguese wine. And I was like, what? Yes. And they were like, it's okay, like Okay, so I should have told you about that. Yeah, Viver. So that's, yeah, you know what? I should have told you about
1: that. I'm like, wine, we drink a lot of wine, but that's our specialty wine aside from port. It's typically white. There are some of them that are red and I don't really know too much about the science of it. I can't remember. I've been told it a bunch of times, but I can't remember. <laughs> but it's almost like a little, it's not bubbly, okay. but it kind of is. It's a it's little like fizzy assassins. and a little like tingly on your tongue. It's really nice. It's very fresh. Like you have it with, like, um, of course, very cold, very crisp, and you have it with, um, you know, the suckling pig that we Mm -hmm. that we have laid down. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of from that region, and it's meant to be enjoyed with that. Like that's like the most common pairing for that type of wine. But it's like a white wine.
0: It sounds amazing. I haven't had Mm -hmm. it, but I have um, a source on a Portuguese importer. So. A girlfriend was Amazing. like, Listen, you need to like put your name on the list. So next time there's a case, just buy it. <laughs> yes, do it. You should. <laughs> um, so when you are home, so when you're at home in your condo mm-hmm. and you haven't had home cooking in a while, and I guess now mm-hmm. that your mom and dad are in Portugal, what are you like, okay, I can't wait to get on a plane, go to Portugal and have my mom cook me this.
1: Okay. Right. Hmm.
0: <laughs> I'm like everything.
1: Um, there are two things that I just like, my mom just makes amazing. Um, and it sounds like so plain and boring and, and whatever, but it's just the way my mom makes it. No one else makes it like that. Of course, The way she roasts chicken, like the way she does, like the, the drippings and everything. It's just amazing. It's not the way you do it at the shulishkera. It's not the way we, we roast chicken here in Canada. It's, it's different and it's saucy, but mm-hmm. it's like a liquid sauce and it's made with beer and butter and olive oil and all those things and it's just really good. I can't have it with beer anymore unless it's gluten-free. Mm-hmm. But she'll sub that with like white wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wonderful, And it's really good. That or there's this um, cod casserole um, called bacalhau con which is basically a bunch of codfish, french fries, and whipped cream. Oh, wow! <laughs> and onion, Of course, like there's like a nice onion saute. Mm-hmm. and then it all goes in the oven and it just bakes so beautifully. <laughs> My mom makes it amazing, so I always want her to make that for me. so she she does she'll make that and and a chicken roast in the oven,
0: like those are the two first things that she always makes for me when
1: when I visit or when I go to their place because I haven't been living with them for a long time.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. That sounds wonderful. So yeah. I know we sort of had sort of talked about this before, um, but now you are gluten-free.
1: Mm-hmm. So yep. how
0: does that affect, you know, <laughs> with, with your mom's cooking? Like when you first told your Portuguese parents that you, you know, have, right. you're, you're starting to limit your diet and make some different choices. <clears throat> what was your reaction? Confusion.
1: <laughs> they don't know what it's like to exist without bread they don't understand yeah. that flour is in everything that they make <laughs> 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 like these soys, I have to learn how to make them gluten-free because they are from the, the filling the cream to you know the the dough to the breadcrumbs it's all bread yeah so I have to like I, I literally have to tell my mother no that that's flour mom I can't have that oh, oh okay <laughs> mom no I can't have that it's Wow, so I feel so bad, like I was so irritated because first of all, I had to cut out gluten, and that's really hard to do. It's like you're almost like addicted to it, right? Like of course, and you don't even realize it, and it's it's way worse when you you know you're eating it blindly and you're just hurting yourself, you're in pain every day and you're like, no, no no, but then like, knowing you can't eat it, it's just you're so much more angry about it. <laughs> I was miserable when I was in pain, but then I was like, oh crap, this this is terrible. So I had gone to Portugal. It was the first time I went to Portugal after um Learning that I was—I haven't been told I'm celiac, but I'm pretty sure I am because any little bit that I eat, I'm sick instantly. So um, I'm gonna say that I'm celiac, <laughs> and if not, very borderline. But um, so I was there, and I was traveling around Portugal with one of my friends. We weren't um, like just at my parents or, or my grandparents' place; we were all over, and we were kind of on the go in uh, in Lisbon, especially. And you know, sometimes you're on the go, like you want to just grab like a quick bite and whatever. But it was like and we didn't want to go to a sit-down lunch because then you know mm-hmm. half of our day would be consumed like sitting down, eating, all those things. Yeah. Um but it was almost impossible for me to find anywhere to eat because everywhere you turn in Portugal you have a bakery. Mm-hmm. It's a bakery here, bakery here, bakery here, bakery here, or a cafe. But like the cafe, you know, they sell desserts, like the the nata or Um, you know, like another like little rice cake or like a muffin type thing. And I couldn't eat anywhere. I was like, what is going on? So I was so angry. I was like, I couldn't figure out how to eat properly in Portugal unless it was at like a restaurant sit down. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have time for that. Or, you know, I didn't prioritize my time properly. So I get back to, we did go visit my parents and we did go, you know, spend some time in my town or we spent, I think it was like a day there. And my mom's all excited. She's making like, you know, home cooked meal. I'm I'm excited. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, mom, oh my God. Nothing like exactly. Plus, I was so hungry. (laughs) I was so hungry. And I'm like, okay, mom, I'm excited. You know, she's like, I have this, I'm making this, I'm making that. Actually, she was making the roast chicken in the oven. So we're sitting there, we sit down to eat finally, and you know, she's all happy, I'm happy, my friend is happy, my grandparents are there. We're all like talking. We start eating. And my friend asks my mom, um, how did you make this This so good? Like, what's the recipe? Mm-hmm. I'll starts reading the like you know, telling her what the recipe is and like listing off the ingredients, and she says, "Beer." I was like, <gasps> "I dropped my fork and my knife." I wasn't like half done, you know. I had taken maybe like three, four bites, yeah, and I was like, "No, oh God, no!" Like, I, I uh, couldn't eat it. So does yeah. So it's been it, it was challenging. Even my mother, like she, she it took her a while to understand what it meant to be gluten <laughs> right? free. Like, I I almost feel like. A Portuguese mind cannot wrap itself around not having gluten. <laughs> of course.
0: No. So, yeah, it was a bit challenging. <laughs> One of my girlfriends growing up, her boyfriend, um, she was Portuguese and her boyfriend was Portuguese, but he was allergic to shellfish. And I was like, what do oh. you do? Like, how do you navigate that? And he was like, my family doesn't care. They don't understand that I'm yeah, lactic. They just, I just have to. Right. <laughs> They're like, whatever, it's fine, right? Yeah. Oh, just you know, just eat the sauce. Don't eat the shrimp. (laughs) Sometimes I,
1: I, you know, I try to explain like what it meant, you know, what I could eat, what I couldn't, even to my grandmother. I'd have to tell her, and they'd ask me so many questions. I'd be like, I just, I don't want to talk about it anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, okay. Wait,
1: I am going. <laughs> no, no. I met with them. I met with them. We can talk about it. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm saying leave,
0: leave it to me. I am going to be on a mission to make you gluten free ressoage. That will be my food. Oh, my God. Really? That would be amazing. We can make them together if you want.
1: Let me know. Or I can give you my mom's recipe. It's pretty. Oh good. Give me her
0: recipe, <laughs> and then I so will it? work it to be gluten free. Oh. I have a couple good gluten free hacks for flour and different gluten elements. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's amazing. Okay, yes, let's do that. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, you I, are
1: amazing. You don't even know the
0: smile on my face <laughs> right now. <laughs> I mean, it would be so delicious. Listen, I I love yeah, gluten. Sure. You know? I, I mess with gluten hard, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, As you should. Oh, I would if I could. I, I stare at it sometimes and like I almost cry. Well, I just. I, if I, I could, I would. <laughs> the smell is so good. But I do. I. Don't, I mean, I don't get hungover. I'm, you know, I moderate my drinking, but there are some days when mm-hmm. I overdo it with gluten and I wake up the next day and I feel like I've drank a bottle of tequila. I have right. eyes, I feel swollen, I feel groggy, I'm grumpy, my joints hurt. And I I know how uh-huh. to that is a gluten overdose.
1: <laughs> right. Isn't that crazy? It's like, I I ignored that so much. And when I think back, when I realized, well, it got really bad. It got to the point where like my body was shutting down. Like I just, I couldn't process it anymore. Mm -hmm. But like before that, like all the signs were there leading up to it. I never felt okay. Yeah, And like you actually, you actually feel it.
0: You're right. It's like a hangover. It's crazy, right? Totally is. I've recently started cutting back on my dairy. Yeah the average day, oh, yeah average day I don't I don't have dairy um and I've already noticed such a big difference in my mm-hmm. mood mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. swollenness I feel like I dropped like five pounds overnight just by yes. just switching you know my morning coffee I switched to almond milk
1: and I've already noticed a yeah. huge difference right like it makes such a difference like you're not as bloated, like, and it really clears up your mind too. So that's the one thing that I that I found. I didn't realize that my mind was so kind of like cloudy um, and just heavy from like the types of foods that I was eating. Right, so like my stomach was in a mess, and so was my mind. It's like, and there is actually in nutrition, like, there's a theory that you know, like, your stomach is your your second brain. -hmm. Whatever's happening there is happening in your mind. Whatever's happening happening in your mind is happening there, right? So, so many times, like when you're nervous, like you feel it in your stomach, right? But it's really like a response from your nervous system, all in your brain. So it's crazy, like how we eat and how we are so unaware at one point, and then we start to become conscious and start to actually see, like, oh, wow, I was so unaware, so like not paying attention to that. But I mean, if you could still do certain things in moderation by all means. I'm, I've been lactose intolerant for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I still mess with things like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and I did have uh, a vodka sauce yesterday with cream in it. Um, so I do that. I put myself through that sometimes. Um, but I don't have milk anymore because I find that milk instantly is a no.
0: Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, I'm immediately like when I when I'm pregnant I crave a cold glass of milk like nobody's mm-hmm. business
1: uh,
0: and oh I'm usually gosh. fine with it when I'm pregnant but that's obviously my body needing that calcium needing that milk that's but baby. if I yeah. like even the thinking of it now having a small glass of milk immediately my nose feels stuffed up <laughs>
1: Right, right. It's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so you, really have you really been healthy. shifting your your cooking to to more healthy or to minimize things like dairy or gluten? Have you been making that shift
0: too? You know, it's hard with the kids because I yeah. definitely understand the need for for young children to have their cheese mm-hmm. and have calcium. And um, you know, my mm-hmm. kids love pasta, so yeah. they just love. My son calls it snow. The parmesan on top. Um, oh. So I I do cook with a lot of cheese for them, but I've started just being more aware, you know, I make sure that we always have a big salad if we're going to have a pasta dinner and, you know, the majority of my plate now Mm -hmm. is salad as opposed to pasta. So even in the last five years, I've noticed a huge shift in my, my awareness of how my body reacts to food. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what would you say in Portugal, if you were to say, okay, Mm -hmm. this is a staple carp. We always have this. Is that bread? Yeah. With every meal, <laughs> I don't know. Portuguese bun is the best. Aren't they so good? Like the pop stick, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Or, have you ever had them um, with the cheese and the ham on the inside, the the, the toast no. in the press? Oh, yeah, In the press, yes, like, of course, yes, uh-huh. yes, yes. And it's mista, It's called with like the the Havarti cheese and um, I think it's like a Havarti cheese and the ham, and that's oh, just so good. I can't have
0: those either anymore. but yes so we have those buns with everything those ones are the best i love them Mm -hmm. from is it nova era is portuguese right
1: yes yes that's a big one that was probably one of like the first portuguese bakery franchises in toronto
0: so delicious
1: yeah it's really good
0: <laughs> I used to love stopping in there. I had one of my girlfriends lived really close to one. So when I'd sleep over in her house mm-hmm. and we had school the next day, like high school, um, we'd mm-hmm. stop you no know, it and get some you know, sandwiches for lunch. Right. Oh, so good. Right. So good. High school memories. <laughs> um <laughs> <we'll> try- <laughs> So I know Portugal is surrounded by water. So obviously, fish is uh-huh. part of your diet. Um, uh-huh. What would you say if you think of like a preserved meat or fish? Would you say, okay, this is what our our staple preserve is? Yeah, cod preserved, salted
1: cod. codfish. Yes, um, that is our undeniably like it's undeniable that is definitely our preserved yeah <laughs> i mean you can say tuna too and like you know a canned canned tuna but like that's not very different from anywhere else everywhere has canned tuna right yeah. um but portuguese salted cod is definitely our top choice for for a preserved food and you know of course because back in the days well first of all we had a lot of access to the ocean so we were able to fish cod uh, in abundance and then, you know, in terms of scarcity and all those things too, or affordability, whatever it was, they had to learn how to how to preserve it, right? So salting it would basically like cure it and you have it for a lot longer periods of time. Like let's say you're only able to go out like, you know, a few times a year with a boat and, you know, if that was your only catch. You have to let it or make it last. And, you know, people were poor, poor fishermen, Um For the most part in Portugal, especially along the coast there. So, it's to learn how to make things like that, like preserves and cod, was just the easiest one to do. And then what happens is you put it in the water and it, you know, you have a a different type of fish again, right?
0: Delicious. Um, And so, would you say that your main sort of stew would be also like a fish stew?
1: Yeah, we do have fish stew. I mean, we eat a lot of meat too. There are a lot of meat stews, a lot. Like, there's, so there is a, the fish stew, which is called calderada. It's kind of like a mixture of different fishes. So you'll have um, a couple of different types of, um, of fish in there. I can't remember exactly which ones are the most traditional. I remember cod, of course. <laughs> um, grouper. We make a lot of grouper. Grouper. Ugh, I can't say in English. Um, in Portugal. Another one, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's a very, I don't want to say it was, No, I I don't even remember what it was, but it was like a more of like um, a softer kind of like silkier type of meat. And I can't remember what type of fish it was, but it wasn't flaky or it wasn't like dense, like a halibut or a cod. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't flaky, like a Branzino or like a a regular white fish. It was a little bit more oily. Let's call it that. Okay. Sounds wonderful. Almost like, I don't want to say stingray, something along those lines, like that type of fish. And then there'd also be things like... um, calamari in there or uh shrimp or clams so it'd be like a mixture of all different types of of seafood and it was kind of made in like a a tomato based broth
0: mm-hmm.
1: with um you know like your your saute with like onion and garlic and olive oil and all those things with the tomato broth and the stock would be made from the, the fish and then you would boil potatoes in there you put red peppers in there i think that's about it in the calderada And then, of course, top it with parsley. Oh
0: my goodness. But then they're, all right, it sounds good, right? (laughs) My mouth is watering.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good. And then, but we make a lot of meat stews too. Um, There's like the one most traditional um, meat stew that we make. It's like literal translation is boiled. Uh, I guess you have to insert meat there, boiled Portuguese style. (laughs) Cozido a portuguesa. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's called a apruztua, which is I guess in a sense, you know, not stew, but like a boil, a Portuguese style boil. <laughs> and I think it actually originated in the Azores or they have a different way of making it in the Azores where they put it in clay pots and they actually cook it in the um the volcanic areas, like the geothermal areas with like uh waters, like hot water that comes from the springs. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I've never tried that because I've never been to the islands, but we do it on the mainland too. And it's literally a bunch of, of you know, different cuts from from a cow. <laughs> There's pork in there. That's where we like, you know, eat pig ears, mm-hmm. pig feet and all those things. <laughs> and then we put Portuguese sausage in there, the, the chorizo. Mm-hmm. And have you ever seen the black version of chorizo, the, the blood sausage? I have, yeah. Yeah, so we I put mean, that in there too. You've eaten it. Do you like it? Um, no. <laughs> what do
0: you think? Yeah, like it's, and it's an it's acquired little, taste too, right? Yeah, it definitely. I'm, I've had a couple different mm. types of blood sausages. I've also had like Irish blood sausages, and it's just not really for me. Not really my thing. There's definitely it reminds me of a little bit of liver. That sort of like undertaste. Yeah, um, yes, exactly. Taste, but you know what's funny is there's something to be said for listening to your body. Like we were saying earlier and Mm -hmm. um, especially when I'm pregnant, I'm so in tune with what my body's craving. And when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was craving liver, liver and onions, which is to me now not pregnant. Really? And I've never craved liver. I've only eaten it a couple of times and blood sausage a couple of times and I was craving it and I couldn't find anywhere that did it. (laughs) Oh my
1: God really watch wow, she's going to love that when she's older oh for sure for sure she's gonna love it when she's older you'll have to have her try it once at least and see if she if it actually sticks
0: I bet it will <laughs> for sure so you know what? I'm all about like cooking even if I don't need it I'm all about cooking it for my family you'll make it. it because yeah. I think it's so important to expose your kids to everything and get them to decide what they like and what they don't like I agree that must be such a fun process like a
1: fun journey like the food journey with your kids right like even learning what it is that they like and don't like I mean, you want to make them like everything, but they kind of tell you too what they like in a sense, I would imagine, right?
0: For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there's definitely something to be said for what you crave um, when you're pregnant and what mm-hmm. they end up liking. Because- Really? My, my son would, when. We, so my husband's mm-hmm. Japanese, but um, I mm-hmm. crave so much sushi when I was pregnant with my son, but I didn't eat raw fish. Obviously, when I was pregnant, I had a lot of like right. tempura and um, maki rolls and things yeah. like that. So my son would have- he would, he liked shrimp when he was younger. Now that he's three and a half and he's, you know, a cool dude teenager, pretty much. <laughs> he, no, I don't like shrimp. I don't like tuna. I don't like this. I don't like that. Meanwhile, my daughter, when I was pregnant with her, I was craving a like, big, huge Nisqua salad every single day. I had tuna almost every day when I was really? pregnant. She loves, wow. loves it. Oh my God. That's so funny. And she's not even a year and she'll eat tuna off the fork. Who do you think is more of a foodie? Can you tell yet? Your son or your daughter? My son is a food critic. Let me tell you. Really? He has wow! Advanced palate. But <laughs> he's he's starting to get a little picky. And he won't try everything, and he tells me, "Oh, mommy, this is disgusting." Or mm-hmm. know, things like that. I'm like, "Oh, excuse me, sir." Um, but my daughter, um, my daughter will try everything. I mean, she's at that age where everything is just so interesting to her because. I'm, right. real food now. So it's not just, you know, pureed fruits and vegetables. She's like, Oh, this yeah. is, is so she one yet. Almost. She's one month away oh from being one. <laughs> so to, uh, to talk about staple foods. So I love natage. Oh, yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. feel like, that's a Portuguese dessert is natage. That is, yeah, you, that's probably our most well-known
1: dessert, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do I, you know the story of it or like where it originated or like, know. Do you? the main place for it? I do. Oh, so I want to I want to share that. it with you because yeah. I feel like you probably appreciate food facts. Like if I told anybody else, they're like, oh, "Okay, Anna, here you go again with one of your boring pieces of information. Nobody cares about. weird Gemini. Like, no,
0: <laughs> no food facts I find it so.
1: <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Just where, um where it comes from is from a part of Lisbon called Belém. It's spelled B-E-L-E-M. Um, there's like a palace there, there's like a little tower there, like the Tower of Belém. It's like a very old historic um, part of Lisbon, and there's an old, this old bakery that where they first started making massage, and it's still there. Oh wow. And basically, it, it's, oh, it's so amazing. It's like a bakery slash massage assembly line. You know the way like you kind of go for like tiny toms and they're on that little like conveyor belt. Yeah, it's like that. Oh wow. <laughs> Kind of, kind of, (laughs) it's like a production like that. And you get them completely, like they're hot, they're hot out of the oven. Mm-hmm. um and you know you order an espresso first of all there's always a lineup out there i feel like i've never seen a lineup outside of food places the way we do now you know like mm-hmm. being a foodie like that's a trend now people line up outside of places for food mm-hmm. i feel like i never ever in my life saw that before except for in portugal at that one place for the natas <laughs> until it started <laughs> going you know like widespread and now everything is like yeah. you know it goes viral and everybody lines up but like there are lineups outside the door and you, you know you get to the counter and You're not going to just... You order one to eat there, but what you actually want to do is you want to order the whole tube of them. It's like six of them or 12 of them, a dozen. And they're just fresh out of the oven. And you sprinkle cinnamon on top of it and you eat that and it's decadent. And you can eat like 10, but not really. Oh, for sure. You die if you had 10 of them just because they're so rich and so good. But yeah, so they originate in that part of Lisbon, Belang, which is along the river, a little bit outside of the core.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) So I yeah. grew up sort of thinking that I didn't like them. I mean, you know, at high school parties and friends' birthdays, uh-huh. there's always nattej. But I, yeah. had a little bit of a weird thing with textures. And I guess at the time, right. you know, my girlfriends that lived on Saint Clair they used to always get them from this one bakery, and it was a little mm-hmm. too runny for me. It was. Yes. Like, it wasn't <laughs> set. the custard was never set, so I I just assumed I don't like I um, So I wrote yeah. them off. I was like, no, not my thing not for me. So it was almost like 10 years before I tried it again. And I think the first time I had it that I, I was like, oh, this is what I've been missing was at mm-hmm. um Bareda. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I had one there and I was like, oh my goodness. Cause it was, the custard was actually like fully cooked and set through and it had mm-hmm. a little bit of bubbly brown stuff on top. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is so good. What have I been missing?
1: <laughs> you know what? you would love then or you should try. I mean, I feel like everybody who likes natas should try this is a tart made out of natas. So it's basically tart natas. It's exactly like a the little cups, except it's a whole tart. And you just cut little slices of it like you would a pie and you eat it with a fork and it's so good. My mm-hmm. grandmother used to make it. That was one of my favorite... <sighs> Every dessert my grandmother makes is my favorite, to be honest. <laughs> that was one of my favorite um, desserts growing up that my grandmother made. Oh, like it would disappear in a minute because me, my aunt and my uncle, my mom's two youngest siblings are only eight and nine years older than me. So they're like my brother and sister. Oh, wow. so the three of us but like... And, you know, my grandfather too, all of us really, but the three of us, especially would hover around that tart and eat it in like
0: a minute. (laughs) I mean, I would just be like, this is my personal pan pizza. Like this is mine. I'm excuse me. Yeah.
1: Sorry. I'm going to go sit in the corner with this. Bye.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't need a knife. Just thank you.
1: Yeah. No, I'm okay. <laughs> well, okay so I'm... I have a question for you. Yes. This is another, it's probably just one of my weird things, but I swear by it. And I've made a couple people try this. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you too. I'm going to, I'm going to give you this little challenge. I bet you won't regret it. Have you ever, if you haven't already tried it, have you ever tried eating it with a spoon? The inside of the custard?
0: The Natash? Mm-hmm. No, but
1: I should try that. And then like, it's like a little bowl. You just, mm-hmm. you're scooping it out like you would a pudding. <laughs>
0: And then you eat the shell after because the shell's great, right? Like the phyllo is really good. That reminds me of the way I used to eat croissants when I was a kid. Really? Juicy so, inside first? Oh yeah. So I used to peel away all the crusty exterior of my croissant. And then I would eat the gooey middle and then I would eat oh the crusty parts. <laughs> Right? So it's, yeah, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Okay, well, next time I get natash, which is going to be stat because now I'm craving them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like now I should come and give you natash and bring you a spoon as well and just try it, please. I swear by it. <laughs> so I, if, I, if I can, I will eat it like that. I actually don't think I can count on two hands to be realistic how many times I've eaten
0: one without a spoon. Oh, Wow. That I just, I swear, totally the way to eat it. I usually just struggle it. it into my mouth, just like <laughs> Cookie Monster style. It's so weird, but I swear it's the best. <laughs> yeah. I don't know Okay, well, I promise that is the way I will eat it the next time I eat it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we were talking about street snacks, which I know you can't really, you know, partake mm. in now. Um, but in mm. Portugal, you're wandering around. So it's pastry. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you go, pastry, pastry, pastry. That's like the streets. You right have now. bakeries everywhere, but
1: there are street foods. Mm-hmm. And you're going to appreciate this. When we come from like the same era. Like we grew up doing the same things. you know, going to the clubs. And oh like now. after you leave the club, what did we do? What do we do here? We go to McDonald's or like, you know, the, the coolest uh, like yeah. late night spot or whatever. Yeah. Um, so in Portugal what you do after the bar, after the club is there are like, you know, so instead of hot dog vendors, they have like kiosks where they bake fresh bread with chorizo inside. You're yeah. lying to me. That sounds like. No, awesome. no. that's, that's not a lie. That is fact. And I've had so many mm-hmm. and it's not even just after the bar, like there are places on the side of the road that do that. And you're just like, Oh my God, you know,
0: <laughs> oh, <that's> fantastic. <laughs>
1: You know which ones are the best? And it sounds so gross and grimy, but like they're out of shipping containers of like tractor trailers, basically not shipping containers they're like in the back of a tractor trailer and it's set up as a kitchen. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Parked parked in some weird corner off the, off the highway in like an industrial area in Portugal and they're making fresh, it's called BLECA. BLECA. Um, bleckage and it's fresh bleckage with shodisu inside and you're like oh my god <laughs> that sounds wonderful that or you know like the um, have you ever had the sandwiches with um the pork cutlets inside yes, of yes. yeah so they do that too like that's a, a quick like street food type of rendition Which, like, I guess in Portugal, it's not necessarily in the street. You can go into a bar and grab one of those. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or, like, a a truck stop off the side of the highway. Like, that's kind of, like, our fast food or our late-night thing. And then the blackheads are a thing of their own. They literally do it in the equivalent of a hot dog stand, but with an oven in it. That's in a tractor trailer type of setup.
0: (laughs) Did we talk about having a a recipe that you wanted to share? Oh, No. We okay, didn't, well, but since we talked about his soyage, yes, but I can you, share my
1: mom's soy recipe, and um, we can see what we can do in terms of flipping it to a gluten-free version.
0: Gluten-free, making it, you know, uh, an updated <laughs> yes. version, exactly, a more current version. So, tell us about the work you do and what you're working on right now, and mm-hmm. what just gets you out of bed in the morning. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually in a very transitional
1: in my life. I come from a very corporate past. I had a few different roles, administrative roles, operations within a couple different industries, all very corporate stuff. I decided to make a change in my life and pursue my creative ventures, which I've been needing and wanting to do for a long time. So I'm writing. I started developing um, my own website where I have a blog slash editorial I like to call it an editorial
0: (laughs) I love your poetry amazing it's just it really impacted reading through it really Mm -hmm. really oh yes Mm -hmm. I have my poetry as well that I have on there poetry a little bit of
1: music writing you know still kind of playing with that aspect um, for a bit now but um, I've been writing um, taking a little spin into art direction as well. I've always been pretty artistic, but I've never really nurtured my artistic abilities. And to be honest, it was something that was screaming to get out of me. I, after high school, I wanted to pursue more creative paths and I did interior design for a year, but my head wasn't on straight. I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I've always been like that with cool, right? I've always been like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I was good at it, I just a thing with school. Um, And then I ended up deciding, okay, no, I'm not going to continue with school. Even though I enjoyed some parts of it, things like drafting, like the technical aspects of it, hated it. Art history, loved it. Color theory, loved it. But what for whatever reasons, you know, my head wasn't in it, so I decided, no, I'm not going to do it. Then I went down like that corporate route a little bit more. And then it just, you know, I was always trying to do two at the same time. I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to keep working because I need to work because, you know, I'm climbing up this corporate ladder and I'll do my creative stuff on the side. Never ended up happening. And then it just got to a point where I was like, that's it. I just need to. It's coming out of me. I don't feel good about not pursuing the things that I am most natural at doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm writing, <laughs> I'm taking a little bit more of, uh, my art direction or creative direction seriously, but it's hard to just be like, Hey, you know, I, I do art. So another thing that I did is I developed my own product line, clothing and lifestyle line that I am going to be launching soon or may have already by the time that
0: we, um,
1: that you wear this, right? Yeah,
0: I'm so excited for that. I <laughs> was a quick today and I was
1: so into it. Are you? I've just know. been kind of giving little teasers, of course. Yeah, unintended. little teas. Um, tea. <clears throat> tea. yeah, yeah, I'm getting really close to releasing it, to going live with my website. It's e-commerce. It's all online. Tape Clothing, they are very simple, essential pieces. Um, it's built around inclusivity for men, Women and genderless, I really don't want to have any kind of limitation, any discrimination of any sort, all shapes and sizes, just something for the everyday to feel good about yourself in. to make little statements, you know, definitely pushing culture forward, um, awareness forward and really moving and rolling with the way that culture and society should be going in
0: through simple little statements and the clothing that we're in. I love it. <laughs> to share your social <laughs> handles so people can get <clears throat> at you. So my
1: Instagram is T-H-E-A-N-A-B-E-N dot T O. The um, that's on Instagram. And then for Culture Teas, it's um, so culture tease society is the name of my my clothing line or my clothing and lifestyle line. And the
0: handle is culture dot society love it i'm so excited for it to launch yeah yeah, i am too (laughs) wrap it up with a few little rapid fire questions if you're game Mm -hmm. absolutely okay water or land water sand or grass sand (laughs) (laughs) apple or orange orange (laughs) pineapple or coconut pineapple coke or pepsi coke Sun Hands or- down. <laughs> Sun
1: or moon. Oh. As much as I love the sun and sunshine and light, I'm definitely a moon type of woman. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Okay. And then if you're, (laughs) then this usually stumps people. So I'm actually going to (laughs) switch up and kind of let people know the question beforehand. So hopefully this doesn't stump you too much. But if you have to describe your personality through a food or a dish, what would it be? A midnight buffet. Yes.
1: (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. Oh, you know what? I'm a lot of things. So
0: (laughs) I love that. Well, it's definitely the Gemini coming out, you know, a little bit of everything. Right.
1: I can't hide it. It's just, it's so (laughs) me. And
0: you understand that, right? (laughs) Of course. Of course. Yes. And midnight buffet. Yes. A little bit of everything. And right. You know, everyone, everyone's drawn to you. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I definitely can... I'm very versatile.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of different parts and components
0: to me. I love it, Anna. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Anna, for being on the show. I've
1: had so much fun tonight. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. As soon as you approached me about it, I was really excited. Um, Although I'm not in any way, shape, or form uh, an expert in cooking the way that you are, um, I love food and... I find a lot of inspiration through food. I don't love cooking all the time, to be honest, but mm-hmm. when I do, I just, I enjoy the process so much, even creatively, right? Like, I don't know if you find that you're a very creative person too. Um, but just the creative process of cooking of the ingredients, pairing things together and then just the final product and the presentation. I love it. So thank you so much for, for having me. And, I mean, relating it back to culture. That's just Right up my alley. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Thank you. Anna loved hearing about your childhood <laughs> and hearing a little bit more about your past, and you know, coming from Portugal and moving to Toronto. So mm-hmm.
1: cool.
0: Thank you. so I'm going to actually,
1: I'm going to turn the the actually, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. the lens on you, and I'm going to okay. put this question up so you can think about it. But I definitely, since I'm writing. Since my pieces are editorial and they're still taking shape, I'm kind of figuring out "Hmm, how am I gearing this, but I have a pretty clear direction, but I would love to put the spotlight on you and actually write about this experience, but not from my perspective, but from yours and actually, you know, while sharing a little bit of what um, I talked about, I'd love to know what your podcast is about and hopefully I can write a piece about you afterwards. Would you be yeah, up for
0: that? For sure. For sure. Um, oh, yeah. I started the podcast. So I've been wanting to do a podcast for years and years and years, but I had no idea mm-hmm. what I wanted to talk about. And I was waiting until I found something that I was super passionate about or, you know, something that I just didn't feel like I was yelling into the void. Um, so mm-hmm. something to me. <laughs> And Mm -hmm. when everything started happening with Black Lives Matter and um, so many Mm -hmm. conversations about race and essentially white people not being educated enough, I was totally guilty of that. Growing up in Toronto, it is such a Mm -hmm. melting pot. So I think sometimes we have a little bit of... Um, a skewed perspective growing up in Toronto with it being so multicultural. We think, you know, what do you mean racism? What do you mean, you know, white majority? Because in mm-hmm. my elementary school, in my high school, in my um, college, that was not the case. You know, it was so multicultural. Yeah. You know, I was sometimes one of a handful of white girls or white people in a classroom of mm-hmm. all different races. So when everything started happening, I, I, you know, really did some soul searching and felt that I hadn't done enough to educate myself. And mm-hmm. I was so lucky to grow up in my elementary school. I went to Jesse Ketchum, which is a very downtown Toronto school. Um, right. And off, I went, when one, my class, I think in grade four, I was the one, one of two white girls in my class. Really? Where did you grow up when you I were younger? I grew up at Anglore. so right downtown. Yeah, right I thought so. Okay, so you were there all your life, right? Yeah, yeah, all my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, so when that, those, when everything started coming to light, and I felt okay, I need to educate myself because my parents sort of led by example and thought, okay, we have multicultural friends. You know, we love everybody. We like hate was the four letter word in my house. We did not say hate in my house mm-hmm. growing up. So when I started having these conversations with my husband, like, how can we teach our son? How can we teach our son that, yes, we all, we treat everybody the same, but not everybody treats everybody the same. How can we start to have those conversations with a three-year-old in language that he understands, in vernacular, he understands... Um, I started just talking about food, you know, that night, when a, yeah. one night we had, um, we had Mexican food and I said, okay, you know, you know, and I brought up my one of my girlfriends who's Mexican. And I said, you know her, you're like, she's Mexican. This is the food where she's from. This is from the country that she's from. This is how it's celebrated. This is how it's eaten. Um, same thing with Jamaican food. We had Jamaican food. Um, mm-hmm. Around the same time, and I said, you know, this is where Jamaica is on the map, and this is the food that they eat. This is how they eat it. These are my memories of being a kid and eating, eating Jamaican food, and that's kind of how it happened. And then I, you know, praying to my muses, you know how mm-hmm. how can I teach? How can I learn? How can I educate myself? And this kind of just came to me by talking it out and saying, you know, is there an idea here? Is there something here? And I had started slowly mm-hmm. posting on my Instagram. You know, these are the conversations I'm having with my three-year-old. This is how I teach him in the kitchen, which I think when you are at a table, when you're breaking bread with people, that's Mm -hmm. everyone does that. That's multicultural. It spans every religion. It spans every continent. It spans every ethnicity. Breaking bread and sitting down with people is just the basis of who we are as, as a human race. So too. Right. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. So totally. I kind of started playing with the idea and talking it out with my husband and talking about it with a couple of friends and everyone was like, yeah, that sounds so fun. So then it just kind of start snowballing.
1: <laughs> That's
0: amazing. I love yeah. that you're doing
1: this and so much power to you doing this. And I couldn't agree with you more. Like, I think that, yeah, breaking bread with people over food, it's just like, I feel like it's like a starting point with getting to know them from a cultural perspective. And I think it's just so enriching, right? To like, I don't know, to share that with each other too. Okay. And then you pass that on, and, you know, I don't know, it just opens up your awareness to a lot of things, right?
0: Well, and I'd kind of start <laughs> having a little bit of an inkling I'd say maybe January, February, this was kind of a path I wanted to take. And then it really hit me in the face during Black Lives Matter. Like this is the trajectory that I wanted to go. I wanted to learn. I wanted yeah. to learn about other people's cultures. I wanted to learn about what happens in other people's countries and how they break bread. And if they even break bread, what is their car? What is their meat? What is yeah. their do and my whole idea was to be able to actually sit at a table and make a recipe of theirs and share wine and record a podcast of course that's not <laughs> currently the case but um well it will be eventually we'll be, 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 be there before we know it so for sure I'm excited for um, I'm excited for the evolution of where this podcast is going to go. Once you know we start being able to break bread with people, it's just all. awesome. So happy to be a part. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Anna. Have an amazing night. It was such a pleasure. You too. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Isn't Anna great? She just launched a wonderful lifestyle brand, Culture Tea Society. Link is in the show notes to check it out. If you're listening to this episode, the day is released. Merry Christmas Eve. Even if you don't celebrate, I hope this week is lovely for you and full of twinkling lights, warm nights, and lots of cookies. This is the only episode this week. I have a little fun planned for next week for the week of New Year's Eve. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and leave a review and share this episode with a friend you want to go to Portugal with. (laughs) Have a good one. Cheers.